Hi there and welcome to another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. 2020 couldn't kill us. 2021, maybe it will. We'll give it some time. So glad to have you with us. I'm Matt Austin. And I'm Ginger Gadsden. 2020 tried to kill us, though. It tried. It tried its best. But here we are, 2021, a brand new year, brand new podcast. I'm so excited. It's good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you, too, my friend. Uh, You had a couple of weeks break from me. Uh, It's contractually obligated that Ginger has to get a few weeks away from me every year so she doesn't lose her mind. So we are back at it. We have a fantastic (laughs) podcast for you. Of course, we always focus on Florida. And we wanted to start out the year, I know crazy things are going on, and we get all that, but we kind of want to give you a bit of a reprieve, and we're going to talk about some of the amazing things that happened in the state of Florida. Florida, one of the main breeding grounds for sea turtles in the world, and a lot of us are curious, did COVID-19 and quarantines maybe help keep the foot traffic on the beach from hurting our sea turtle population, Gigi? I I was curious about this. I know because we do stories on them all the time, especially when it's the season for them to hatch, right? Mm-hmm. And so people are on the beach and you know they have areas where you tell people to stay away. And I know when I visit certain places, like keep your lights off so when they do hatch, they don't come to your house and they just go yep. back to the ocean. So, so many fascinating facts about them. So I'm glad that this is our first topic and we have a very special guest today. That we do I want to bring in Allie Bernstein. She is with the Marine Science Center and she is over the sea turtle rescue apparatus that they have there in Volusia County. And it is a magical place. I have uh, gone there with my children before. It is uh, so cool to be able to see what they do for these sea turtles. Uh, and it is, it's such a delicate process, uh, the way they come into this world. So I'm excited to talk about it. I'm very interested in how the sea turtle population did in 2020, hopefully better uh, than the human population. Um, so, Allie, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, so, how, yeah, yeah. How did the sea turtles do during COVID? So, 2020, of course, it was a challenging year for lots of folks, but um, we are still here. We're I'm with the I'm the manager of turtle rehab here at the Marine Science Center in Ponce Inlet, Florida. And although we were closed for much of the year um, to the public, we still had all our staff on site, um, treating our animals, being available for intakes, and still continuing on with our mission. And um, we've been really fortunate to be able to stay here and do what we we love to do and be able to be a service for uh, Volusia County. Yeah. Have you seen with maybe a decrease in tourists coming to Florida, overloading the beaches, I know they often can trample these eggs. Have we seen a difference in the amount of eggs uh, that were able to to make it into the ocean? Um, we actually had a pretty good year for nesting this year. Um, and although our facility doesn't work directly with the nesting groups that go out and do the daily surveys, although I do them um, one day a week, um, just because I enjoy doing that as well <laughs> as sea turtle rehabilitation, um, we, we've had a pretty good year out there and, you know, got a lot of little hatchlings back offshore. And our facility here, what we do is we um, take in uh, injured and debilitated sea turtles that otherwise are either getting washed back in or having difficulty getting back out there. So we did take in about 166 hatchlings this year and um, little over 200 washbacks. And those washbacks are the sea turtle hatchlings that um, are post hatchlings that have 
gotten out of the nests and emerged onto the water and then the rough surf and uh, <laughs> the, the maybe offshore storms or just rough surf um, bring them back in in that sargassum. So if you've ever gone to the beach and you see the seaweed that you know comes in onto the beach, that is called sargassum. And that's where you might find those little washbacks. Um, and although this wasn't our biggest uh, washback year, um, it still kept us plenty busy. Um, some years we've had, you know, several hundred to a couple thousand. So, um, you know, 200, just over 200, um, not too, too big of a year for washbacks. Um, but we were really fortunate in that because it was a big year for strandings and intakes otherwise. So this yeah. is our second highest year on record for since we opened in 2002 for sea turtle intakes, as well as gopher tortoise, fox turtle, and freshwater turtle. So tell us what we should do if we're on the beach and we ever encounter a little washback. Because the first thing you want to do, you want to help it. What should we do? Is not the, the number one thing to remember is don't put it back in the water. Those little... Uh, sea turtles, they got washed in for a reason. There's a reason they restranded. And especially those washbacks, they don't have that yolk sac, that frenzy period where they're living um, and, and swimming, swimming, swimming to get out to that Gulf Stream. So they don't have that to get back out there. So they need to come into rehab. So um, depending on where you're located in the state of Florida, there's lots of different um, organizations that are available um, to respond to strandings um and mm -hmm. fwc florida fish and wildlife is a great resource to have on hand and they know how to direct uh individuals to get to the appropriate facility okay i have a sea turtle story and i need to go over with you what the appropriate measure was all right my wife and i were walking okay. down one of our beautiful florida beaches i see a seagull fly by and land 20 feet away from us and he's got a mini little baby sea turtle in his mouth. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible, right? Then Sounds like the circle of life. No, Go yes, on. it does. But then I see that baby sea turtle move, and I think I can rescue this thing. And so I, then I, now I'm chasing a seagull down the beach like a crazy person, <laughs> just trying to get it to drop this little baby sea turtle. It didn't. It got away from me because it turns out it's faster and I'm old, but is, was that, what do you do in a situation? I mean, I guess I'm not supposed to get involved in the circle of life. How do you, what do you do? Yeah, in situations like that, we definitely don't recommend, um, you know, chasing a, a bird. <laughs> <laughs> it can be okay. stressful on the bird, but also that bird's also trying to eat. And unfortunately, sure. yes, sometimes they do get a hold of sea turtles. Um, but one of the great things about sea turtles is they lay a clutch of eggs that average about 100 eggs per clutch. So even though that one little turtle might, you know, have been a meal for, for that bird, the hope is to get as many of the others out there and, and to, you know, yeah. in numbers, get them back out there. So, Matt, let's just switch scenarios. Say it is a lion with a hyena in its mouth. Are you going to chase that lion? No, I'm not chasing a lion. Yeah. I, I'm probably exactly. videotaping Just that one. The other one had me on the verge of tears. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? And I just start running toward the thing. <laughs> I yeah, didn't even I know what was going to happen when I got to I the seagull. But I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Allie, what is the number one? When you guys rehab, you get turtles into rehab, what is the number one thing that causes them to be there? Is there a certain thing that injures them more than others? or? So some of the 
common reasons we get our turtles in. Um, we And actually right now we're in the very beginning of our busy season. Um, January through April, we tend to get an influx of intakes. Um, last year, I believe we had 75 intakes just in about three and a half months. And wow. the reason are, is for those ones, they're just chronically debilitated turtles. So turtles that are coming in lethargic, underweight, um, sometimes they become barnacle encrusted and their GI slows down and they kind of have a domino effect of issues going on. And then the stress of the cold is kind of the mm-hmm. straw that breaks the camel's back and then they come on in um, and strand. But we do see a variety of other things. We see um, entanglements. So in monofilament or fishing line, um, caught on fishing hooks and uh, boat strike injuries as well. So we treat a lot of different uh, and variety of of issues. And then our gopher tortoises, box turtles and freshwater turtles are two main reasons we get those guys in our car hits. Um, So hit by cars and dog chew. Yeah, and those are the ones, those are okay, because you'll see one trying to cross the street, and uh, like my husband has jumped out of a car to help a turtle cross the road, because he doesn't want it to get hit by cars. Those are okay to help, right? Yeah, if you're doing it, good intentions, and you're not relocating that animal, you want to, you can help them cross the road in the area they are, but you don't, and you want to put them in the direction they were facing. So you don't want to put them back on the opposite side of the street for them to have to then recross again later on. And you definitely can't go ahead and scoop them up and drive them down, you know, the road to somewhere Uh where you might think is maybe a better location because chances are they've got a burrow or they were headed in a family. Yeah, Yeah, they they were probably headed somewhere to graze on grass or find some food or potentially. Yeah. that makes total sense. I, I have a question for my five-year-old because I was telling her we were doing this interview and I, told, I was telling her about how the mom goes up on the beach and lays the eggs and then a couple months later the eggs are hatched. And she said, oh, when they hatch, they crawl into the ocean and how do they meet up with their mom? And I was like, eh, I don't think that happens. That part of the they story don't. doesn't. Yep. So once the nesting female comes up and lays her eggs on the beach, that's that. They don't ever go back out into the ocean, and, and uh, they're never with their young. So the hatchling sea turtles, they use their instincts, and they know what to do once they emerge from those eggs, and they're on their own. That's tough. That's that just tough. seems uh, – that. I mean, I know it's nature. It just seems so harsh because we're people, and it's like – Golly, I can't imagine like, hey, you're just born. It's like, see a kid. Good luck, Hope you little learn one. How to Here you are on a rock. <laughs> yeah, that would be. <laughs> oh my! What is your favorite thing, Allie, about sea turtles and turtles in general? So, you know, obviously, I'm a, uh, a turtle fan here, and I've been working with turtles for over a decade now, and I just find it to be really rewarding and really. Um, a really cool thing to be able to be part of working with endangered species and doing what we can to not only educate the public and our guests that come and visit us, but to be able to be a part of something really big out there and getting these individuals back out there. And although it may just be, you know, uh, uh, small in terms of the, the big picture in terms of population, it mm-hmm. means everything to that individual to get back out there and be able to, you know, become part of that breeding population to help the, the long term. And, uh, you know, being able to talk to the public and do education and work with our yeah. volunteers and, and guests and things is, is something that I really enjoy. And um, turtles to me are, are just, you know, 
they're the best animal in my opinion. <laughs> that is I, I, I second that. I, I agree with that. You know, I was just, and this is going to come, we ask weird questions here sometimes, so forgive me. And I'll stay in the, <laughs> Matt's looking Ooh, nervous. And I'll stay in the vein of asking the question of a child because recently I was watching Frozen 2. We were on vacation in an RV and the movie was downloaded, so we couldn't really watch anything else. And so Olaf dropped some knowledge about turtles. And I was like, is that true? He's like, I bet you didn't know turtles could breathe through their butt. Is that true? So I've heard that one also. And it's actually a Snapple fact too. I saw that on the top of a Snapple <laughs> can once. And it's, although it's not completely untrue, it's, um, they can exchange oxygen from their cloaca. Um, which is the, the vent on the tail where they would urinate, defecate, lay eggs. Um, and they, that's one of the you know, ways they're able to stay under the water and, and not have to come up for as many breaths yeah. as often. But it's not how they would breathe long term. They have lungs like you and I, so they do have to breach the surface of the water to come up and take those big breaths to get the oxygen they need. Um, so although that is true it's not it's not how they primarily breathe so it's that's located on like the tail like not yep, where like on... ours would be but like on the end of a <laughs> tail it's yeah it's located on their tail huh all right and <laughs> it's, it's called the i know that's fascinating and we didn't have cell service we didn't have any wi-fi so i couldn't google it right then and then i forgot about it, and then i'm like we're talking about turtles i'm just gonna ask yes yeah it's just <laughs> Okay, well, good to know. It would probably be smelly if you had to breathe like that all the time. Could you take us inside? So I know you're outside right now where it's a little quieter so we could talk, but we got to see some of these sea turtles. Do you have like a favorite? Is there is there a bestie of yours in here you like to spend time with? Did you trick okay. did you trick us? Were there babies in that pool with him or was that just a part of the No, those were those were drawings on the oh, bottom. Oh, I'm like, those oh look at the cute babies circles. and they weren't even real. Oh man. Horton gets all the attention. I like it. Okay, so who do we, who do we have? So next? coming around. <laughs> oh. Head sea turtle with some boat. Strike injuries. Oh. 
my goodness. And then on the other yeah. side. Is McCavity, who is also a loggerhead sea turtle that came into us with entanglement wounds. So mm-hmm. constriction went around his flippers from monofilament fishing line that got wrapped around very tightly. Oh, my goodness. And he would probably lose that flipper if you guys didn't get it out of there, right? Yeah. So sometimes that does happen where uh, we have to, uh, our veterinarian will do an, an amputation um, to remove that flipper. But um, in McCavity's case, he got pretty lucky. And although he does have constriction wounds, he's keeping all his flippers. Oh, good. Good, nice good, good. Nice work. Nice work. I bet he's happy he <laughs> met you guys. And we're moving on out here to see this little guy. Oh. Oh. Can you see him? Yeah, we Mm -hmm. can see him. So this is a juvenile sea turtle. And this is pretty up here. Um, It's... They're not typically found in this area of Florida. They tend to be further south in Florida and into the Caribbean because they're primarily, they they like to hang out on the the coral reefs. And we don't really have a a big reef system up in this Mm. area of Florida where they would feed off the sponges um, and things off the coral reefs. But this little guy came in um, to New Smyrna Beach in November and... uh, was found in that sargassum seaweed where we would typically find those washback sea turtles. Um, so he's only one of a handful of hawksbill turtles that we've encountered at our facility since opening in 2002. So we were pretty excited, but also, you know, a little confused about why he came, you know, he was up here in this area and got washed in. And he actually has been, um, he stranded lethargic, but he also has some GI issues going on where he's, Defecating rocks and plastics, unfortunately. Oh, so oh my been, gosh. Uh, an opportunistic eater out there, and unfortunately got him into some trouble. Oh, my gosh. You're trying to get one interested in eating, and that one will eat anything. <laughs> he's about <laughs> to eat the pool. Yeah, he's not eating so well for us here yet. We're, we're tube feeding him, actually, so we can still get him his medicine and his um, and some nutrition. Yeah. For, you know, the hawksbill, I know it's not, you say you don't normally find it here. How big will they get? So um, those little green sea turtles that we looked at a minute ago, Horton, um, those guys will get over 300 pounds, between three and 400 pounds full grown. Loggerhead sea turtles can, you know, get upwards of 300, 350 um, full grown. And and hawksbills can... uh, get up there but not quite as big as those two species the largest sea turtle species is the leatherback mm-hmm. sea turtle, and those are huge huge and you know well over a thousand pounds full oh my god you guys get leatherbacks here at our facility oh, yeah. um they're a pelagic species mm-hmm. so they're typically found off offshore and um we typically only see them as hatchlings here yeah how what beaches. Sure. Well, um, without any, you know, any entanglements or anything like that, how long will they naturally live? Well, if all the conditions are right, 
conditions are right, we normally say, you know, 60 plus years because it's really hard to know. And every species is a little different too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Kemp's Ridley sea turtles, they're a smaller species. They uh, top out around 100 pounds full grown. They're also very, you know, they're one of the more endangered of the species. Same with the Hawksville sea turtles. So they've all got a little bit different things that they encounter out there and can alter their lifespans. But we typically say, you know, 60, 80 plus years um, yeah. if conditions are, are right. And I, I know there's in, um, cases where there's been turtles uh, found to live higher than that. So, Wow. That's great. That is fantastic. And I think you guys uh, add <laughs> so much to that. Is there a chance anywhere maybe in our lifetimes where turtles could be taken off the endangered species list and they could just, you know, go about, I don't even know if that would be good for them uh, because then they wouldn't be as protected. But what do you think about that? Um, there are pros and cons to that. And we have seen that. So we, and, and if you're talking on a global or local level, um, there have been species that are now considered threatened and not endangered. Um, and that includes the loggerhead sea turtle. So there mm -hmm. have been instances where they have been delisted or, you know, just bumped down in terms of the threat. Um, and there are pros and cons. Yeah, you might, it, it would be great for their population and how they're, how they're doing out there and how their mm -hmm. nesting numbers are. But again, you might lose some of those protections and, and funds and things that go into their care and, and longevity and things that we can do to continue to help the species. So yeah, definitely pros and cons, but I think it's, you know, it's possible. And I think education is a, a really important aspect to what we do, um, you know, because we see visitors from all over the world and country and even in Florida and, and you know, to be able to, see things up close and, and learn about what's going on with them and then learn what they can do as an individual or as a family or as a community to help help the, the animals they encounter or sea turtles, even from afar, even if they never see one ever. So they can have that, you know, draw. They can have that, I've seen it, I've, I, I understand it, and have that, um, you know, that urge to, to contribute. Oh, wow. What would you say to people, you know, because we live in Florida and you're going to encounter them on the beaches occasionally. And there are people who have no, you know, they're like, I don't like turtles and I don't care and this, that and the other. I feel like if people came out to visit you guys and saw what really happened, do you feel like that could change their minds or at least give them a greater appreciation for what these animals are and how important they are? I, I definitely think that can be the case. You know, people that perhaps are from a landlocked state where they may not encounter the ocean or see these things ever in their life to be able to have an appreciation at least and understand what's out there and that there's something bigger and you know they could teach me things about things from their area of the world <laughs> or their state and I might maybe be able to interest them in a little bit about marine conservation or turtle biology um, and be able to exchange knowledge and information. And I think that's, you know, that's education and that's, that's part of our yeah. mission here. Yeah. Well, part of, part of the problem is for the last, uh, most of last year, people can't come and visit you guys yeah. and get to experience yeah. that. We're hoping that you guys at some point this year will get to open back up. But I know you're funded primarily through Volusia County, but if someone mm -hmm. uh, were wanting to donate, wanting to help out these sea turtles, what's the best way for them to do it, Allison? 
we have been closed to the public. We have been doing a lot of uh, social media uh, out, outreach and doing videos and posts. And if they follow us on County of Volusia or Friends of the Marine Science Center or check out our website, there's so many opportunities from volunteering to becoming a donor to becoming a membership um, and other ways that they can get involved and um, help contribute, uh, whether it's financially or with their time or with their spreading of information that we're putting out to people. Um, so that's something that they can do. Check out our website, uh, learn what it is to become a member, um, become a member with us. So when we do open back up to the public, we can't wait to see our guests again and be able to, you know, talk face to face with everybody. We've been doing a lot of videos and social media yeah. and virtual outreach, but we can't wait to see people again. Yeah, the good thing is you have so many cute clients that you can profile in your virtual stuff. It's so great. Yes, we actually just posted one yesterday, um, a patient update. So we did a sort of like what we're doing right now, a walk around. And we talked about the different patients that we have in-house right now, a little bit about what's going on with their care. Um, and then, you know, people can check us out on our YouTube channel and on social media and just learn more and how to, you know, help financially or, or spread the word and then come visit us once we're back open again. We really look forward to seeing our guests again. Well, that's fantastic. And we uh, at Florida's Fourth Estate, we appreciate everything you guys are doing. Glad you were able to keep it up in this uh, crazy year that was 2020. And uh, Love your mask, by the way. Oh, we didn't even address <laughs> the mask. You. So cute. <laughs> so good. Allie Bernstein with the Marine Science Center out there in Ponce Inlet, one of the most beautiful places you'll ever get to visit oh. in Florida. Love me some Ponce Inlet. Lots to do out there. Once they open back up, go visit them. And uh, Allie, thank you so much for joining us on Florida's Fourth Estate. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Allie. This was fun. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.